Thank you for joining XR Om, which is India's first AR VR focus podcast. And today, I'm delighted to have with me Shalin Shodhan, who is a musician and game designer with a background in education. He has worked on three Oscar films and a BAFTA winning game, plus worked on apps that have topped App Store charts worldwide. He's currently the director at Masala Games that has built the first Indian playground in Fortnite called Loot Biscuit. And he's ex-Disney Imagineering uh, VR Studios as well as Pixar. So, Shalin, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. This is an introduction which I've pulled out from the net. It will be great if you could give a story, background on yourself and what made you get into game design. Yeah, yeah, man. I could hear uh, little lines from really old resumes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you uh, my, my story. So, basically, uh, yeah, I've been in games and film for about 20 years. Uh, I was in the US for uh, 11 of those years and uh, got, a, got a chance to work at Pixar uh, where I was uh, there for five years and, and worked on six films from Toy Story 3 to Finding Dory. I had a great experience uh, learning everything about uh, what goes into the film production pipeline. And uh, I was also at Electronic Arts for four years where I worked on the game Spore. And um, for Spore, I was hired directly out of grad school by uh, by Will Wright, the you know the legendary game designer Will Wright, uh, and, and that was an incredible opportunity for me because uh, when he hired me, there were only ten people on Spore, and it was just a prototype. And to stay and watch that game from prototype all the way to shipping and becoming Spore uh, that we know was an incredible learning journey for me. So uh, yeah, just just had uh, just a front row seat to to some of the most uh, you know world class entertainment production. And uh, around 2014, uh, my wife and I, we became parents of uh, twin boys. So we decided to move back to India and uh, raise our children here with family support. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky. Like at the time I was working with a company called Lumos Labs. They make a very popular brain training games program called Lumosity. And um, they just allowed me to work remotely in 2014, uh, which, which wasn't as commonplace as it is now. And uh, very lucky to have their faith. And, and it gave me a very soft landing here in India. And I sort of didn't really skip anything. I just kept going. And uh, eventually, they were also instrumental in what is now Masala Games because they were sort of our first clients. And, and they were the, the folks that said, hey, Shalit, you know, we have some projects. Can you make a team? And that's how that's how I had my first hire. Uh, and, and here we are now. Masala Games is, is almost 30 people. And we've been doing client services uh, of all kinds uh, for the past six odd years. And um, uh, at some point, we realized like, oh, you know, we're delivering a lot of success for our clients. But, you know, we have some conviction. We have some ideas as well. Let's let's bet on ourselves. So about a year ago, we started uh, building our first uh, original game, which is Detective Dotson, which is a story of a small time detective in a big time city in modern day India. And uh, uh, that's that's basically also the, the same universe is also what sprouted the UEFN level that you mentioned, the, the Fortnite level that you mentioned. Um, Fortnite level is made out of uh, you know all the same assets that we use in Detective Dotson because Detective Dotson is a game and a three-part animated mini-series at the same time because we want to do the narrative and the interactive at the same time. Uh, and we'll talk more about <laughs> why we are doing that and why this is a good time to do that and why this is a good time to tell stories from India. But uh, yeah, that's uh, sorry, that's my like longish version of of, uh, of my background. 
Lovely. How cool is that? So you've been around, you know, right from being part and playing a pivotal role in Toy Story and Finding Dory to being part of uh, Electronic Arts, the game design, creating Spore, uh, then, uh, uh, you know, building Masala Games and, 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 you know, from starting from a single member team to now, right now you said it's a 30 member team, building India's uh, own gameplay design plus a three, three part mini series. Would 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 want to talk a little bit more about that, you know? I I think it'll be uh, great if you could you know talk about your journey, you know, from being like a single member, you know, uh, game developer, from to in Masala Games to now getting, I mean, you know, like a thirty member team all together. What's what's the journey been and the highs and lows? Maybe it'll be great if you could talk about that. It happened very organically because. Uh, you know, uh, client said like we have this thing, and I'm like, well, I, you know, I've got this other stuff. I can't do it, so let me try and and let me uh, you know find the best person that I know and see if they can do it, and we'll do a pilot. And uh, you know, the pilot started wasn't working, wasn't working, wasn't working, and then something flipped and it started working. And I'm like, oh, okay, this works. And and uh, yes, it's it's you know, there's there's a lot of there is this. Uh, uh, stress to when someone uh, can't do or won't do or isn't able to do what you expect them to do, what you think they'll be able to do. Uh, there is an incredible joy to when they do better than what you think they they, they should be able to do. Um, and for me, that was a really, uh, it, it still is a learning experience to manage that. Uh, of course, I really enjoy when when my, when my team uh, excels and, and goes beyond my expectation. Uh, but how do I manage? How do I keep investing? How do I keep uh, supporting and encouraging them to participate and to do better when they don't meet my expectations is has been the sort of learning journey for me in becoming a better manager uh, and uh, and to resist not just doing it for them, right? Because uh, my always my first instinct as a, as a builder myself is to just go fix the problem with my bare hands, right? And uh, uh, you can't do that if you want to scale to 30 people, you can't do the job of 30 people. So, <laughs> um, so that's been an amazing, I mean, it's been an amazing learning experience and, and, uh, uh, I'm so glad that I got past my sort of barriers of like, oh, you know, I don't want to manage people or whatever, because what I realized about myself is I love learning. I mean, I love, uh, starting from zero and I should never, uh, uh have, uh, these kind of artificial barriers saying, oh, I don't like to do X. Like that should never be a mindset that I have because, it's so much fun to uh, to get into something that you have no business getting into, and then doing well over there is incredibly rewarding. And uh, and I'm I'm glad that my team has, uh, you know, constantly surprises me and amazes me, and uh, and you know basically makes me wake up in the morning and want to come into work and kick ass, right? So uh, that's yeah, that's uh, that's a bit about the. The growth of the company yeah. uh, lovely cool and, and and i think being a lifelong learner is such a cool thing you know and i think everybody should inculcate that habit because yeah. we're getting into a world where earlier i mean you know being narrow being great at one thing was you know really looked up you know like okay that's that's really cool you know you cannot multitask but you know we live in a world where there's so much complex dynamics which is coming into play and you know if you can uh, you know, multitask, if you, if you can be an individual that's wearing multiple hats, that adds so much to a portfolio of a company, you know, because then an individual is adding so much more to a company because I, I, I think 
you know today there are small companies who are competing against these giants and and that's that's possible only because you know when when we have these uh, individuals wearing these multi- multiple hats you know so i think being a lifelong learner is so very important critical in the, today's day and time uh, yeah this sorry go ahead yeah yeah, yeah. what what was the urge or, or nudge from you know servicing others you know building games for the others to you know creating your own ip detective dotson yeah i mean that's uh, wow that's a very deep uh, you know itch that we wanted to scratch for and i wanted to scratch for a very long time and and uh, you know not just as an individual but as a team we've always believed that we could make world class products you know and uh, it always uh, pains me a little bit when i see that as an industry the you know indian gaming isn't dreaming big enough and they're they're looking for shortcuts they're looking for close follows they're looking for they're they're, they're a little bit uh a narrow focus in terms of uh you know just the like acquisition monetization kind of area rather than thinking big in terms of creating franchises and you know boldly making ips failing it's okay you know just going and and, and believing in themselves right and uh, we've never for a second doubted that we we could be that we just were always so busy <laughs> uh, and and uh, productively occupied that we never got that chance um and and finally we said okay now like we're we're in a position this is a, this is the right time uh, is the right project and let's go and uh, uh you know it, it was this time when a few people were transitioning off of some of the other client work and and i had some amazing talent that was basically available uh, and so instead of going and looking for new work we basically said okay let's go let's do this this is the time so that was uh, but yeah it's i mean it's that i can't even tell you since when i, I wanted to uh, you know, uh tell story of my own and, and and put stuff in front of the world like i hope that the listeners you know whether it's individual game de- uh, designers developers or game studios you know take that because i guess you know we living in a fantastic point of time you know there's so much tools you know uh, which will allows you to do you know great uh, game gameplays and game designs could could you could you i mean uh, share the process of you know right from uh, uh, the storytelling uh, the the game world design to you know from from the beginning to you know right now to you know being uh, up and running the de- detective uh, dotson uh, the, the process yeah, yeah. absolutely and i think you you really touched on something that is that is key and and it's a switch that that fell i think in the last 24 months which is that the tools that are available now have made it possible for a small team uh to really really punch high and uh like unreal engine for example blurs the lines between cinema and games right and that's not something that we should take lightly i mean that is a huge thing that the graphics and the, the real time graphics industry has been trying to do forever and it's like how sort of like as of the last 24 months it's like it's happening you know and and we were obviously you know you know i've been a computer graphics professional my whole life so that's something that was so exciting to me and i identifying that we said okay we're not just going to make a game we're going to make an animated series and a game at the same time and we're going to take the same assets the exact same characters the same world and we're going to send them the pipeline is going to send them into two places for cinematic rendering like you know beautiful looking um 
you know, uh, show kind of content and uh, for you know performance rendering on, on your mobile phone or on your PC or whatever, the, wherever the game can be played. And uh, from day one, that's 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 been the plan is there is no reason now to say, oh, you know, I'm going to need two separate teams or I'm going to need two separate set of assets or any of that uh, if you want to make narrative and interactive content. This is this is only very recently possible, and we're capitalizing on that uh, that unlock that has happened. Uh, so, uh, so that, yeah, so that's the that's the basic idea. Now, uh, when we were thinking about Indian uh, detective game and show, uh, when we get to the part about like the the why why an Indian uh, story needs to be told uh, in a second, but we really wanted to show uh, India the way it is. And that extended into this concept of like, okay, well, the sets should be very realistic uh, or, or they should be 3D at least, and they should be fairly real. They should feel, you know, like, like how I would walk out and, and, and uh, experience India because we want the world to experience that. Uh, modern India, not ancient India or anything like that. It, it's, it should be uh, like it is now. And then the characters, we really wanted them to pop out of that sort of real uh, world because India is very textural. It's very like you know, there's vegetation everywhere. It's like it's very um, full on, and we wanted the characters to pop out of that. So how do we do that? So the characters are very very graphic. They're pixel art and they're bright colors. And we did a small test of that, and we absolutely fell in love with that style. We're like, oh my god, there's like very little out there that that embraces this style. It is a striking style. Um, and it also plays to our strengths where we know we can build this 3D world and, and make it really beautiful. And we know that we can deliver amazing and complex character animation in this like 2D uh, pixel art format, much better than we could do that if we went full on 3D characters. That's like a huge investment to like really make those uh, uh, characters sing. And I don't know if you've heard of the uncanny valley, but basically the more complex your characters look, in modeling fidelity, the harder it is to animate them to make them look real. And we don't want to fall into that trap. So our modeling fidelity is very low. The characters are literally flat 2D and the animation fidelity is very high. So we want to be in that happy space. And uh, that's how this kind of whole thing of like 2D and 3D mix came together. Um, that takes place in the game as well as in the show. Uh, the cameras obviously have to be like pretty fixed. So we don't we don't have any shots where the camera rotates. The camera mostly just you know pans and and looks at the camera uh, the characters straight on or side on, right? So it's always ninety degree turns, uh, and that's fine. That's you know constraints are always good. I always find constraints to be good for creativity. And uh, within those constraints, within this uh, kind of vision of the world, we started uh, uh, building stuff. Uh, we started with a trailer like a. It ended up being a very long trailer, and and that was obviously a mistake. But uh, but it was really fun to make that and establish our pipeline and understand what works and what doesn't work. And we found some very surprising things. For example, storyboards didn't work for us, and which is a very weird thing because you always you know animation industry you start with concept and story, story, storyboard, storyboard, and like you know follow that through, and that's how you organize everything. It's the sort of the spine of everything. And what happened for us was different departments were, were having trouble interpreting uh, the storyboards in the same way. And that was a real issue. Uh, also being a completely remote team, right? <laughs> that, was, that was a real issue. Uh, and so again, the, this, this sort of switch that flipped 
that enabled us to achieve what we're what we're achieving is we just started blocking all our shots in Unreal Engine directly. So we don't do storyboards. We go straight to engine and block out everything, every camera angle, where's this character, where are the two characters, what's the over the shoulder, everything is just blocked in engine. We don't actually sketch it out. We, we are sketching it in 3D in the engine. And that blocking with a scratch voiceover is then delivered to the animation department. And then they animate it and then that comes back to rendering and that's, that's how our shots get output. So, you know, uh, counterintuitive things, little things about the process that, that came forth once we kind of started building this trailer. Uh, and then once we completed the trailer, we said, okay, here we go. Like uh, now let's, we, the story was starting to form by that time. So, okay, okay now we, here we go. Let's make the episodes. And, uh, and uh, that's when we set off. Lovely. How cool is that? I mean, so through the process, you have done things which it was not linear. So instead of going storyboarding, you use the Unreal Engine platform itself to do the the, the blockouts of all, all, all the scenes, and then you. So so how yeah. cool is that? Now you you mentioned you know that you know the uh, it, it, things have flipped a bit. You know, I mean, because earlier only these huge game design studios, AAA game design studios, could you know. Uh, think about, you know, building these, you know, big, 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 uh, big games. But today, you know, we have these tools, which is getting more and more democratized, you know, right from, you, know, you mentioned about Unreal Engine to, to there are a lot of these Gen AI uh, 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 applications and platforms, which allows you to do text to 3D, text to world building, and, and, and so, so on and so forth. Can, can you elaborate on, on you know, this shift do you see it, it it getting more democratized you know right from content creation to game design because these tools are now which is still in station stage you know we, we there is a lot of hype around it but but you know with with this convergence of ai to to these tools do you see the future of game design to have more ai tools do you see uh more people who don't know much about content creation or game design joining in and, 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 you know, shaping, you know, what maybe the content creation or the future of game is going to look like. Yeah. Um, let me answer it in two parts and I'll, I'll bring AI into the, the later part. Um, so I'll just give you a continuum, right? So uh, I was, a when I was on the sport team, I was hired as a core engineer. So I was working, for example, I was working on the shadow system, like, actually doing the shadows uh, of all the things that are in there and whatever it took me you know three to six months to like really finalize the system and deliver it um, and then if you if you cut to five years later uh, and unity engine was uh, you know out and, and and doing really well you just press a button and you get the shadows basically like you don't have to do anything right so in those five years that that whole thing that i used to do for three to six months was just gone it's like available to anybody just press a button shadows are great now, maybe at, now we're in the 2015, circa 2015, right? And uh, there, if you're making a game and you have to, you know, do uh, multiplayer and, you know, have like, you know, 15, 20 people in the world running around 3D, everything, that's pretty hard. Like not everybody could pull that off. That's like that required some serious technical investment to do that properly. Cut to now, if you look at UEFN, uh, <laughs> you could make a multiplayer game in like two weeks, right? Like, and you don't even have to worry about the multiplayer. That's just a thing that exists. It's just a button. It's literally that easy now. Um, 
And, and you know, whatever the pros and cons of UEFN are, we can't deny the fact that it, it's made it that easy to make a multiplayer game. And so if you go back in time and tell someone in 2015 or 2008 that, oh yeah, you know, in the future, you'll be able to make multiplayer games just just they will just be multiplayer you could just you just start making the game and other people can just join you don't have to worry about any of the infrastructure or anything their minds would be blown right and so uh we need to acknowledge how spoiled we are right now. <laughs> um and and now let's extend that to ai so uh let's just throw away all the hype and and all of that if ai uh reaches its potential which i'm sure it will it's going to be in a much more silent way where it is an underlying technology that solves the basic problems that we have that get us closer to making cool things faster, right? And and more de democratic in a more democratic way. So, uh, if I was to harbor a guess, I would say the big problem right now is discovery, right? I know that the game I'm making has you know X million people of this kind and that uh, you know that kind of preference that would love my game. I have no idea how to reach them, right? Like it's it's very, very difficult to reach them. Uh, I think that is the problem that uh, technologies like AI will solve. Uh, to me, there isn't a big screaming problem in production that AI needs to solve. Uh, I mean, you know, not to discourage any of the research in AI production tools. I think the technology will be a little bit more um, it'll be uh, solving smaller pain points. And it already has. Let's just not, let's just ignore all the hype all the like, there's this whole marketing kind of stuff that happens to all these new technologies. And just, just silence all that and think in terms of like, okay, this is really gonna solve problems for sure. It's not gonna replace anybody's jobs. Just like, uh, you know, a graphics programmer is still valuable to this day, right? Just because Unity gives you a shadow from one button doesn't mean that the graphics programmer job has been has been taken away. Uh, it's still a relevant profession. Uh, in the same way, everybody's jobs are still going to be there. We're just going to be using different tools. We're going to be learning different tools, and that's totally fair. And I think, uh, and I welcome that change. So I hope that makes sense in terms of a continuum of like where AI is going to plug in. It's going to be much more less sexy than, than than some of the hype makes it sound, but very, very potent and, and it's going to solve real problems. No, no, fair enough. Completely. I think, I mean, you 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 hit the, the point home that, you know, I mean, we need to cut the hype and, and start building and keep on building, you know, something which is really useful. Uh, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, discovery is, is uh, the largest problem. Agreed. You also mentioned that AI could be that uh, tool to help in discovery. If you have some insights, I mean, around that, you know, how that I, would help. <laughs> I, I do. I absolutely do. Um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, on the side actually kicking around these ideas and and would love to actually um, uh, uh, go down that path and form a product out of it. But in in very short way, I could frame the problem as something like this. You know, how annoying is it when you're looking what uh, looking for something to watch on Netflix, right? Like you spend so much time saying, oh, I don't want to watch this. Oh, I don't want to watch that. And uh, we must say that Netflix isn't doing a great job of suggesting good titles to you. It just isn't. It doesn't know you enough for whatever reason. Uh, no matter how creepy it gets in terms of collecting your data, it just does not know you. And that's not a dig at Netflix. I, I, mean, I mean that in general. Uh, you know, even YouTube. Yes, it does a decent job of showing me videos that I might be interested in, but it's not anticipating my context and my need well enough. 
And I think that's where AI uh, is going to be so good because, um, you know, it, it's it's going to get better and better, hopefully more private at understanding me and then giving my context to whatever search system. So search is basically what AI is going to solve, right? With better context, better um, understanding of who is searching and then pulling out the right things and and knowing me and and the beautiful thing about ai is this core concept that it gets better with time with use so as it knows me it gets better at knowing me and uh you know that i think uh just gets me excited about the future about like uh, how powerful that will be in terms of connecting audiences truly with the products that they like uh not controlled by uh you know some kind of algorithm which is which did great to get us to this point is clearly now not working Right. No, no, fair enough. I mean, but yes, I mean, you know, that knowing me part does get into that little creepy zone also because, you know, I mean, like you rightfully pointed out, AI gets better with time with more data, the more learning it it infers out, you know, throws out in, uh, more in intelligence, intelligence, you know, and eventually I hope we don't get into a surveillance state where, you know, all the data is hoarded by a, a centralized uh, uh, in a company. So, so yeah, but I, I think, yes, the AI could, I mean, you know, has the potential to play a larger role in on all aspects of from discovery to other spaces also. Uh, how, how is the detective uh Dotson uh, game response, you know, both the game as as well as the three part series, and it'll, it'll be good if you could, uh, you know, talk about your Fortnite uh, game, UFN game, uh, loot biscuit. Yeah, yeah, we're in very early days with the Dotson game. We just launched our demo on Steam uh, as part of Steam Next Fest, uh, and we got great response there. Uh, in terms of like Steam Next Fest has like twenty five hundred games that they feature. And uh, Steam itself makes a small trailer of a few games that you know they like, and that's about 20, 25 games out of the twenty five hundred. And we were one of those games, and so that was like a great boost to our confidence. Uh, what is vibing really well with people is the general presentation, the novelty of it uh, is truly resonating with people. Uh, the music, uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say that the music, uh, uh, you know, we're getting uh, great reviews about the 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 vibe that that creates and the sense of place that we've we've hoped to create is really uh, resonating. The gameplay is nascent and, and obviously right now it's just one mission. It's very simple uh, and uh, people are liking it, but there's nothing to really sing home about because there isn't anything there, to be honest, uh, uh, in terms of novelty or some amazing gameplay. That's the part that we're still working on. You obviously don't want to give everything away in the demo. And the way game development works now is you meet the market and you sort of do everything out in the open till you, from demo, you go to early access to you go to 1.0, right? And that's the road that we are on now. And we'll be releasing lots of exciting new gameplay uh, uh, in the coming months. So, but overall, uh, as good a response as we could have hoped for in terms of uh, what we've decided to do, the vibe, the environment and, and the characters that we've created, the style is all resonating with the audience. And uh, we're getting uh, great support there. So so that's been great. The show, uh, we've only done like trailers and stuff. It's not out there yet. Uh, but the show, uh, you know, uh, whoever we've uh, shown it to, or if we've shown clips internally and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's really, really uh, resonating and people are absolutely falling in love. And see, the, the, the whole point of the show is to be this 
your first access to the detective docs and universe, right? Uh, it's, it's a low barrier of entry way to see this like weird new thing and be like, Oh my God, like, I really like this. And, and then it's like, okay, you, do you really like it? There is a whole game you can play, you know, you can roam around in this same world. And, uh, that's, that's sort of our, uh, strategy and plan, which is to, uh, grab people with that low barrier of entry, just watch the show, watch an episode, watch a short, watch a clip, and then realize that there's a whole game behind this. Uh, and not just one game, there's going to be more as, as, as you know, time and production allows, we'll, we'll do much more uh, to, uh, to keep the audience always wanting that one more mission, that one more thing to play or watch from the Detective Absent universe. So uh, it's early days to, to give you an answer on the response. Uh, the UEFN level, it's, uh, you know, it, it was something that uh, our friends at Epic really encouraged us to build. And I'm very glad we we built it because it really opened my eyes to like, oh my God, this is the, this is as close as it gets in, in current day to the, you know, the movie Ready Player One. Like uh, that's, that's what, that, that's what UEFN enables. Like it's, it's basically Ready Player One uh, 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 done properly, you know, like uh, in current tech as, as well as one might hope. And uh, again, the problem there is not creation. Uh, you know, it's really fun to make stuff. It's discovery, uh, you know, and, and I'll give you a, a little stat. Like we were featured for just one hour on like the new releases or, or one of their like sections that is pretty visible. And it got like 3000 plays, right? Just from that one hour. Um, and otherwise it's not getting like, it's getting double digit plays, right? So um, the fact that you can get 3000 plays from just an hour of featuring, that would mean like if you were featured for a week, you'd get about 5,000 plays. And, and, you know, if you were uh, featured for a month, it would be like 20,000 plays. And, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, it would be, uh, uh, 50,000 plays and 200,000, sorry. Right. Right. So, uh, right. so that exposure is completely in the hands of the platform right now, uh, which is a bit worrying. There isn't, you, there's, I know they're working with us, but there isn't even a way I could link you to my level. I just have to give you a code. You have to copy and paste it inside Fortnite, right? So when the deep linking arrives, when when some of this the, the discovery ecosystem around this stuff uh, gets better, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's. I think every studio is probably going to at least try this out. And uh, I think what I mean by trying it out is making several levels in several different teams, trying to position your assets in the best possible way, uh, and having a presence in this space if the audience resonates with it it's a massive audience <laughs> if, if the platform uh, projects you in a, in a good light it's a massive audience so like it's a huge opportunity there um, and all of this kind of plays to our original strategy which is we are interested in building and telling the story and building this universe of detective Dotson based in modern india and uh, whatever the latest and greatest uh, is offered to us by the entertainment industry, we will go there and meet our audience, right? So whether that's a UEFN or whether that's a show on YouTube or whether that's a, a game on Steam or a game on mobile, yes to all of that, right? And we we positioned ourselves, our content pipeline in a way that, that we could do that effectively. Right, right. Uh, I believe the, the music score for Detective Dotson is composed by you, right? 
Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, I'm still performed by myself and my wife. Oh, but how, <laughs> how how cool is that? So, I mean, you know, it's it's so very important. I mean, you know, coming back to the same point, and I mean, being a, a lifelong learner and wearing multiple hats, it, it's so very cool, you know, that you, you are able to do the entire thing uh, by yourself. You know, in the course conversation, you were mentioning about, you know, it, it's things are coming closer and closer to Ready Player One. You know, I mean, it, it, it's the... It's 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 that metaverse, you know, that I think everybody is talking about the virtual world, which is going to get so potent, so that you know you'll have not just people playing games inside that world, you'll also have education, you have healthcare, and so on and so forth, all existing in this virtual world that we're talking about. You know, us transitioning from or two D world to this three D world, where we'll go from carrying technology to wearing technology, possibly you know, like with a these AR VR glasses, or possibly maybe maybe much future possibly like these BCIs, brain computer interfaces, where you will be inside those gameplays, where you'll be touch feeling the the the, the world, and and so 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 what what are your thoughts on this this AR, VR, MR, metaverse in in a world? Uh, are you guys building for it, and you 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 have a view or insight on? When this metaverse that we're talking about, which has gone through its hype cycle, is, is going to be uh, a reality? Yeah. Um, so again, I, I feel the the hype does a disservice to the underlying technology and what it's actually good for and what its potential is, um, because it overhypes, right? Uh, ultimately, it. it it all comes down to an experience, right? And uh, how can you make good experiences more and more and more accessible and more and more and more immersive, right? Um, the We always, like, along with the hype cycle, there's always the balancing act of the negatives that are always said. It's like, oh, you know, people will get less connected and they're on the stupid glasses all, all the time. And, and what's the point of that and all that, right? And... I guess my view is that uh, let's say I want to go on a roller coaster, but what if I can't? What if there is a reason where I just can't? Uh, because I might have a physical issue or I might have a financial issue or whatever it might be. But there is a thing that enables me to go on some version of the roller coaster in whatever technology is available today and experience it, right? If you can bring experiences to people that couldn't have even uh, imagined, uh, you know, five percent of that joy of that experience, if you can solve that even a little bit, then I think that technology is worthwhile. That area of exploration is worthwhile, and we must do it. But we should pitch it and position it as that, and not something else. Where saying and put stuff all our lives in this, and I hope we don't because, uh, and I know that a lot of culture goes there and. You know, I've also been addicted to a particular game. It's happened to all of us where, you know, uh, I remember when, when I was a kid, we had to, we would rent out the Nintendo uh, from the video library and uh, we would rent it out and for a weekend. And on Monday, our thumbs would be hurting because we would just be playing continuously, right? And so, uh, of course, uh, these fun experiences are insanely addictive and the more immersive they get, the more addictive they will get. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing because we as human beings have very little self-control on average, speaking in general terms. Um, 
And so it's important to be careful about that and perhaps leverage that for good rather than, uh, you know, uh, just uh, some, you know, financial purpose or, or whatever it might be. So uh, I guess my point is to say that uh, I love all the advances. Uh, uh, there's so much uh, uh, to explore and, and uh, improve on in terms of what we're doing in terms of experiences, right? Like rubbing my finger on a glass right now isn't experience. Like that's just not, it's fine. It goes with me everywhere and that's great. But like, that's not gaming, uh, not to like, uh, not to knock mobile games at all because I love mobile games too and I play them too. Uh, but with each medium, are you playing to the strength of the medium, right? And uh, and so then when we get into, you know, this or, or brain computer stuff or holographic displays or whatever, I think I just go back to that, like, what if there's a person? They can't, they want to go on a roller coaster and they can't. What can you do for them, you know? And uh, if you think in terms of that, like, simple uh, problem to solve, I think, uh, you know, the answers kind of start appearing and falling into place of where all this is headed and should be headed. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you rightfully pointed out, I mean, you know, there's too much of uh, online digital usage also not nice. But yes, I mean, you know, we're getting into the future where uh, I, I'm sure there are a lot of these um, studios who are working on use cases, which is experience driven ads utility. Um, uh, you have been somebody who's been besides the uh, the entertainment gaming has also been into the education space. Uh, uh, could, could you could you, could you talk about that a little bit? You know the the works that you have done and how yeah. you know because there's this like a gamification of everything going on. You know ga ga yeah. games are being used in education also. So if you could talk about yeah. that, it'll be really good. Hundred uh, percent. To me, entertainment and education are the same thing. I mean, they're they're basically uh, uh, I, I don't see them as being very different. Uh, and uh, I carried that that kind of perception and and and, uh, and and attitude into a couple of ed tech projects that we did. Uh, one was directly with the school where the team that I built was sitting in the library of the school and the ki kids would invade our office space uh, during the recess. And we were building sort of iPad programs, uh, like a tech program for them where they all had iPad. We, we had, uh, we got the best apps for them. We built custom apps for them as well. And going through that whole experience uh, with a very, you know, uh, a live audience, <laughs> um what i what i walked away with was that um you know it's it's we're all focused on making content for children and and content for education and and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but the real uh, good stuff is when you can build tools for uh, the learner whether it's a kid or an adult it doesn't really matter when you can build a tool for the learner and then just get out of their way right and uh they get so invested in using that tool to do the thing, whatever it might be. It could be a tool for drawing. It could be a tool for math. It could be a tool to make projects. It could be a tool for presentations, whatever it is. Um, and the tool should be delightful and joyful, of course, because education is entertainment. Uh, uh, you know, it should be fun. But when they get that reward of making something of their own, uh, first of all, to make something of your own, you need to know the thing. You need to know the concepts. There's no way you're going to be presenting uh, about fractions without knowing what fractions are. And uh, when we get into that space, and it's not easy to do, this is, uh, you know, uh, being a tool to uh, uh, for someone who doesn't know fractions to then know fractions and present or teach someone else about fractions is, uh, is really difficult. 
but it's the holy grail. And I, I think when you do that is when uh, just lots and lots of education happens because lots and lots of engagement happens. Lots and lots of investment happens from the learner uh, in using and uh, making things with that tool and then telling everybody else about what they made with that tool, right? So, so I love that, like, you know, Will used to say this about Spore, which is uh, because a lot of people used Spore, a lot of kids played Spore and uh, the parents were very happy that the children were creating something and they were making something and they were learning about, uh, uh, it's kind of like Lego, right? So they were learning about structure uh, at, at the end of the day. And so the so Will statement, which, which stayed with me was like, okay, what is the educational value of something? Uh, it, it's the the core educational value times the engagement value, right? It's an equation. Uh, so if you take a textbook that it's very dense and you just can't even get through a page, uh, education value is very high, but engagement value is very low. So that multiplier is actually reducing the the net, uh, the the output educational value. But if you take this, you know, something very simple that's teaching only one thing or two things, and the educational value on a surface level is low, but the engagement value is very high then that concept is going to be cemented. It's going to be really, really well uh, absorbed by the learner. And uh, so that's my view on education is we should, it's great, everybody's done great job making all the content and that's amazing. But uh, the next layer, the next chapter, I think of, of ed tech should be in making tools uh, for the learners. Right, uh, any advice to uh, people who want to get into game designs or maybe insights uh, on workarounds, you know, people who are building games, you know, what are the the best ways to work around and build some games? Any advice, suggestions? Well, let me let me get back to something we were talking about earlier about being multitasking or being multifaceted, uh, and this is what I say to uh, not just folks that are that want to get in, but also folks that are in games or any other industry and want to get better, which is. Um, how much do you know about the upstream and downstream department from your primary skill? And how much time do you invest in knowing about that? And uh, why not try to do their job, right, uh, in a low risk manner uh, where uh, it's okay if you fail, the point is to learn and uh, see what it's like to be upstream from you and downstream from you, right? So, uh, for example, if you're a, a programmer that is going to, you know, make systems and send them over to QA for testing, be, be a QA person for other programmers for a bit, see what that feels like, what the challenges are, and uh, upstream for, from you might be a designer or a, or a product manager giving you uh, tasks about specific things that you need to build. Then try playing that role for a bit and try doing that uh, uh, uh what it feels like to, to give a good spec or a bad spec or whatever it might be. And that empathy that that creates for your upstream and downstream department is what uh, every company dreams that, that their employees would have, right? Uh, and that's what makes a pipeline really efficient where uh, people are great at doing their job, but they also understand the upstream and downstream roles enough to make everybody else's life easier and communicate clearly with upstream and downstream so things flow nicely through the pipeline. Now, how do you project that uh, when you're uh, someone new and starting out and want to uh, communicate that to uh, someone hiring you for a very specific role because hiring is very like narrow, like, oh, you know, are you a programmer? I think this 
strategy or or projecting this and having this showing that you can actually do this that you care about this uh alone sets you a little bit higher than the rest of the field uh, it shows a level of maturity and it shows a level of professionalism and uh, awareness of the pipeline that uh, most people trying to get in will not have and so i would encourage people to not be afraid in starting from zero on something that they have no business knowing or learning and throwing themselves at it there is no risk to that and uh, it's going to give them this little extra edge of having empathy about the upstream and downstream from your role thank you uh, shalin really really appreciate you taking time being part of the podcast what comes next for you and masala games so yeah like i said we're on this path now to to building uh, you know extending our demo and, and building it into a full on game which is going to be really really exciting lots of challenges for sure but uh, but one that we welcome and we we uh, we appreciate the privilege of of being in this position and uh, making this game it's it's truly an exciting time i, I really hope we're going to look back at this and and be like this was our most productive and creative time um so that's that's the next step for us and and of course uh like everybody we're also uh facing the the this problem of have this challenge to surmount of how to crack our audience how to reach the people that uh, uh that are going that we know are going to love detective dobson and so you know we'll keep talking to folks like you to uh, uh you know we'll catch everybody we can and tell them about it obviously so uh yeah that's that's what comes next for us in terms of building the whole thing and then spreading the word about it Uh, wish you and, and the team the very best and i hope uh, detective dotson reaches out to a larger uh, group of uh, users and and gamers and 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 it's it's and i hope that more gaming studios here start building or thinking about building their own ips you know their their own games you know rather than just creating these small small things for other studios and i hope that more and more studios come and be brave and go out for you know the bold and create indian uh, games relevant to the indian audience so wish you and your team the very best and to my listeners if you like what you see in here then please press the subscribe button until next time see you guys bye bye thank you thank you so much appreciate this thank you bye